Hey everybody, welcome to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we're making faith practical as you raise the next generation to follow Jesus. My name is Todd Lesher. Thanks for listening. I created this podcast to give parents some practical tools for the life and faith of their family. And it's on the internet, so you can find it forever. Or you could pass it down to your children's children's children when you're a great-grandparent. And you could say, in my day, we used to listen to podcasts, and they were incredible. Because who knows what they'll be listening to years from now. I'm married to my wife, Abby. We have three boys, and I'm the next-gen pastor at Forest Hill. I'm grateful to have you listen in. If you find this helpful for you and your family, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and share it with someone else. Your words and shares allow us to share these words with others. Thank you. Today we're going to talk about faith practices for the family, and this episode is all about how to read the Bible and how to help your kids read it too. Whether you grew up in church or not, I think it's safe to say the Bible is a little strange. If you interviewed the people in your immediate and extended family, throughout your neighborhood or at the office where you work, or at your next high school reunion, whenever that is, and ask them what is the Bible, you are bound to hear a variety of answers. Some might call it the Word of God, and you're definitely going to get one or two people who state the obvious. It's a book. Others might call it confusing, intimidating, outdated, and irrelevant. And then some might say it's inspiring, life-changing, powerful, or helpful. What would you say? And it might be an interesting conversation to have with your kids if you ask them what the Bible is. You don't have to read the Bible very long to discover some head-scratching, jaw-dropping, and mind-blowing content. Even if there are a variety of opinions about the Bible, it is the best-selling book of all time. According to research done in 2012, there were 3.9 billion copies of the Bible sold in the last 50 years. 3.9 billion! The next closest books were The Quotations of Mao Zedong at 820 million, Harry Potter at 400 million, The Lord of the Rings at 103 million, The Alchemist at 65 million, and The Da Vinci Code at 57 million. I've contributed to the totals of three of those five books. <laughs> How about you? As of January 2020, Stats show that the Bible has sold around 5 billion copies, and 77% of the U.S. population owns a Bible. I have no idea how they figured out that stat, but it still is pretty incredible. The Bible may be the most sold book of all time, but is it the most read book? It might be the most sold book, but is it the most read? We're about to find out. According to the State of the Bible 2020 report released by the Barna Group and the American Bible Society, 22% of U.S. adults interact with the Bible multiple times a week. 35% of Americans say they never read the Bible. And daily Bible reading has declined from 14% in 2019 to 8.5% in June of 2020. And I think we all know why. The coronavirus has affected us in so many ways, including Bible reading. But why should we read the Bible in the first place? Why should we consider stopping the scroll on social media to read the Bible instead? Why should we put down the latest New York Times bestseller and pick up the best-selling book of all time? Before we answer why, let's take a look at what the Bible is in the first place. Calling the Bible a book can be a little misleading. I've spent most of my career encouraging people to read the Bible 
And I've had countless conversations with people who started reading it at the beginning in Genesis, but puttered out when they got to the book of Leviticus. I've puttered out in Leviticus myself. I know it's important to the grand narrative, but it takes a certain amount of determination and a big cup of coffee to get through it. I think it has less to do with effort or interest and more to do with understanding. Effort and interest that can grow out of our understanding of the Bible. When we approach the Bible like any other book, starting at the beginning and reading straight through to the end, it can be easy to get overwhelmed and abandon it altogether. I think we should read the entire Bible, but understanding its content, structure, and where to begin reading will increase our chances of becoming lifetime readers. Understanding its content, structure, and where to begin reading will increase our chances of becoming lifetime readers. The Bible is not a book like we're familiar with. It's a library of books, a collection of 66 books. But they didn't start as books. They started as a collection of scrolls. The first Bible in book form didn't exist until the middle of the 15th century. And I'm really grateful for that invention. Can you, can, can you imagine carrying around scrolls in your backpack or your purse? And now it's all on our phone. It's incredible. The Bible has two large sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, also known as the Hebrew Scriptures, contains 39 books, and the New Testament contains 27 books. The word testament means covenant. Both halves of the Bible have to do with the covenants God made between himself and people. A covenant is a promise with specific and unique expectations for the persons involved. And God has always kept his side of the covenant. And the Bible displays how humanity has struggled to keep their side. The word old doesn't really do the Old Testament justice. Simply put, the covenant in the Old Testament is actually the original covenants between God and Abraham and God and the people of Israel. The covenant in the New Testament is the fulfillment of the covenant God made to Abraham and the new covenant Jesus made to rescue and redeem all humanity. The Bible is the story of God's covenant with people, and the story is told through a variety of literary genres. The Bibles we use today are organized topically. If you opened your Bible to the table of contents, this is what you would find. The Old Testament is organized into three categories, history, poetry, and prophecy. There are 17 historical books, five poetical books, and 17 books of prophecy. The New Testament is organized into three categories as well, history, Christian teaching, and Apocrypha. There are five historical books, 21 letters of Christian teaching, and one apocryphal book called Revelation. The history books include biographies of Jesus' life and ministry called the Gospels, as well as the ministry of the disciples called Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles. The letters of Christian teaching were written to first century churches to explain who Jesus is, what he did to save us, and what it means to follow him. The Revelation of John is an apocryphal book because that's what apocrypha means, revelation. Something was hidden or unknown, and it has been revealed. In this case, the revelation of the new heavens and the new earth, and the second coming of Jesus, which we anticipate with hope. I like how the Bible Project summarizes the whole Bible. The Bible is a unified story leading to Jesus, and that even includes the book of Leviticus. <laughs> that barely scratched the surface. It's just icing on the cake, but icing is still really good. And hopefully it lays some groundwork for you to start building a Bible reading practice on. Now that we know what the Bible is, 
we can talk about why we, our kids, and our families should read it. We'll start with a story from the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke is one of the four historical accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. Luke was not one of Jesus' original disciples, but his gospel is the product of researching, investigating, and interviewing those disciples. Jesus had been traveling from town to town, proclaiming his message and performing miracles, and then he took a break with three of his disciples to pray. He went up on a mountain, and it says in Luke 9.29, As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. Let's fast forward a few verses to verse 34. And a cloud appeared and covered them, and the disciples were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. That's the sound effect that comes to my mind when I finish that story. I don't know why. (laughs) These few verses are packed with so much meaning. But what I want to highlight is what God said. This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Moses and Elijah are major characters from the Hebrew Scriptures. Moses represented the law, also known as the Torah. And Elijah represented the prophets. And God told the disciples to listen to Jesus. Did this mean that they shouldn't listen to Moses and Elijah any longer? I don't think so, but they should elevate the teachings of Jesus above all. He would help them understand what the Hebrew scriptures were all about and that they were pointing to him. It would have been wild to share that experience in person. I imagine it like being in Space Mountain at Disney World, a dazzling and disorienting experience. Yeah, it was probably nothing like that, but we can still follow God's command. Listen to Jesus. This is why we read the Bible, and I would say this is where we should start. Jesus showed us what God is like through his life and sacrifice. Jesus told us what God is like through his teaching. We read the Bible to know Jesus, understand his message, and take part in his kingdom. It's only through the Bible that we discover who Jesus is, God the Messiah. It's only through the Bible that we learn his message, that God loves sinners and we can be saved. It's only through the Bible that we comprehend the way of his kingdom, loving God and loving others. But we can't grow unless we know, and we can't know unless we read or listen to an audio version of the Bible. Either way, it's through knowing Jesus that we can better understand the rest of the Bible, but we can't understand Jesus without reading it. Listen to him. There are plenty of other reasons why we should read the Bible to learn wisdom, to understand God's will, to know how to resist temptation, to learn about the character of God, to understand the meanings of words like forgiveness, grace, and joy, to know how to grow in spiritual maturity. But above all, it's about knowing Jesus, his message, and his kingdom. The reason we take Jesus at his word is because he rose from the dead. When someone predicts their own death and resurrection and then pulls it off, they're worth listening to, following, and worshiping. As you make Bible reading a priority in your family, here are a couple steps to get you started. Step one, pick a translation you can understand and an age-appropriate version that your kids can understand. I grew up in a church that loved the King James Version, the KJV. 
This is not the LeBron James version of the Bible. The KJV was written in Old English, and it'd be hard to understand. I'd recommend the New International Version, the New Living Translation, or the Message, which is a version written in contemporary language. Step two, once you pick a translation, pick a study Bible for yourself. They come with helpful notes and insights to better understand the meaning and background, and there are a lot of good ones out there. For personal application, I like the Life Application Study Bible, for ancient context and history, I like the first century study Bible. And for topical study, I like a reference Bible. They come with loads of footnotes for, that help you cross-reference topics throughout the Bible. A good study Bible will offer you helpful information for yourself, and it will be a good reference when your kids bring up their questions about the Bible as well. When it comes to Bibles for your kids, there are a lot of great options. For infants and preschool, I like the Bible Storybook by the Bible app for kids. It comes in both a physical form and a digital form. For younger elementary, I like the Jesus Storybook Bible. For older elementary, I like the Kids Visual Study Bible. And for teenagers, I like the Quest Study Bible for Teens or the Teen Life Application Bible. So you've got your translation and your study Bible. Now step three, pick a plan. Are you going to read a book of the Bible? Are you going to do a topical study? Or are you going to use a Bible study guide? There are great resources out there, especially online. I recommend the Bible app reading plans, the Bible project reading plan, the Life Change Bible study series, She Reads Truth plans, or anything by Beth Moore. So pick a translation, pick a study Bible, pick a plan, and then step four, pick a time and place to read on a consistent basis. In this season of my life, I try to read for about 25 minutes before my kids get up for school. But as we all know, life and parenting can be disruptive, and sometimes that plan doesn't always work. When it comes to picking a time and place to help your kids read the Bible, if you have young kids, listen to the Bible while pushing the stroller or shopping for groceries, or read a children's Bible to your kids while you rock them to sleep. This is a great age to read to them, and it will contribute to their learning to read as well. If you've got older kids, read the Bible along with the rhythms of the day, maybe at breakfast, or if that's too hectic, maybe it's at bedtime. This is a great age to read together with them. If you've got teenagers, bribe them with donuts. Seriously, use food to get some time with them, but be clear about your expectations. Let's get donuts once a week, every other week, or once a month, and let's do a Bible study together. This is a great age to prioritize the relationship. This may take some time, patience, and experimentation to find out what works best for you and your kids. Above all, give yourself and your kids grace. There will be days that you miss reading or forget about it altogether. It happens. So show yourself grace. We're going for transformation, not completion. We are not transformed every time we read. We are transformed over time as we read. One of our roles as parents is giving our kids skills to use as they grow up. And as Christian parents, we have the responsibility to give our kids skills for reading the Bible. Here's a simple acronym to use. It's called the SOAP method. I didn't come up with it, but it's a good tool. Hopefully you use SOAP on a regular basis, and this is a Bible study method to use on a regular basis as well. You like what I did there? The S stands for scripture. Once you've picked your plan, read or write the scripture you're going to study. The O stands for observation. As you read, make some observations. What stands out to you? Are there any repeated words? 
Who was the original audience? And how does it point to Jesus? The A stands for application. This is a crucial part. Jesus taught that his followers hear the word and do it. They put it into practice in their lives. As you read, what changes do you need to make or actions do you need to take? This is how our faith grows. The P stands for prayer. The Bible is God's primary way of speaking to us. Prayer is how we communicate with God in response to what he has said to us. Let what you read become what you pray. S-O-A-P. Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. We have covered a lot of ground. As we wrap this up, here are the four tips to remember to grow your Bible reading practice together. Number one, talk about it. Make Bible reading part of your regular conversations. Share what you've read and ask your kids what they're reading. Number two, model it. Part of our kids growing a Bible reading practice comes from them seeing us reading the Bible. When it comes to Bible reading, as in most of parenting, more is caught than taught. Number three, encourage it. When your kids want to read the Bible, ask a question about the Bible or talk about the Bible, affirm them and how God wants to speak to them. And number four, pray about it. Above all, ask God to give your kids an interest in and love for the Bible. Here's a quick review of all we've covered. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but it's not a book like we're used to. The Bible is a library of books, a collection of 66 books filled with history, prophecy, and poetry. The Bible is the story of God's covenant with people, and I like how the Bible Project summarizes the Bible as one unified story leading to Jesus. We read the Bible to listen to Jesus, and it starts with picking a plan and setting a time and place to read on a regular basis. Start with the SOAP method. And here are four tips to remember. Talk about it, model it, encourage it, and pray about it. The introduction to the Jesus Storybook Bible summarizes it perfectly. Some people think the Bible is a book of rules, telling you what you should and shouldn't do. The Bible certainly does have rules in it. They show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It is about God and what he has done. Other people think the Bible is a book of heroes, showing you people you should copy. The Bible does have some heroes in it, but most of the people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes a whole Bible to tell this story. And at the center of the story, there is a baby Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He is like the missing piece in a puzzle, the piece that makes all the other pieces fit together, and suddenly you can see a beautiful picture. Thank you for raising the next generation to follow Jesus. It's not about being perfect. It's about being intentional. And one of the best ways to do that is through reading the Bible. Thanks for listening. Parent on, parents. You got this.